Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. the best life podcast this is danny J and jill coleman and we are so excited because we have a special special guest today miss amanda bucci hi everyone hey amanda so everyone knows amanda but if you don't make sure you guys are following her on instagram at amanda bucci and also bucci radio which is uh her podcast and she does a ton of content we're going to talk about that today and how she managed all of that and how you can become just like amanda not, <laughs> not everybody knows by the way oh not everybody knows oh and bucci is b-u-c-c-i I Just always say case. Gucci with a B. Oh, Gucci with like, a B. Oh, I get it. Like, I'm oh, like from, Gucci. I'm from New England, and so are you. So people understand Italian last names there, but out here people are like, how do you think Buki is out? <laughs> yeah. No. You missed it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you don't know Amanda, since everyone doesn't apparently, but we're rolling our eyes. <laughs> Amanda has a massive following on Instagram, and she's just, we think, prolific all over the place. But how did you get to be... Amanda Bucci. Where well, <laughs> I was born on July 6, 1993. <laughs> oh, fellow cancer. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You're a cancer too. Mm-hmm. Nice. When's your birthday? 17th. Oh, Brian's 22nd. Oh, cancer. Look at all this. around. July birthdays. Yeah, so I was born on that day. Um, my parents, you know, did this thing. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so, but in terms of how I got started on social and becoming whatever my, my becoming personal her. brand I guess yes, yes becoming the personal brand and becoming the person is like they're two different things I think there's such a fine line between personal brand and then personal person yeah and we can talk about that too but I got started because I just wanted to share so before I knew what Instagram even was you know I was on Facebook and I was a little middle schooler and I was like oh Facebook cool and oh you know God, yeah how funny schooler. is that I was I was I was in eighth grade when Facebook launched I think. oh wow that's crazy amazing. But I got started in fitness itself when I was freshman in middle school, like eighth grade, ninth grade type of deal. I had exercise-induced asthma as a kid, which just meant that whenever I did cardiovascular exercise, I would be like, (gasps) and as someone who liked sports, I was doing soccer. I liked soccer, but you know, doing a two mile run with a competitive high school soccer team, I did not make the team. So my mom got me a personal trainer and that was my start into fitness. And I ended up doing this little program at my gym in Rhode Island. I'm from Rhode Island. And it was a program for high school kids to be better athletes. So we did strength and conditioning. We did power clean squats, dynamic warmups, like footwork stuff, like all this stuff that was pretty, you know, technical for a ninth, 10th grader, Mm -hmm. but I loved it. Like I loved going and I would go a couple times a week and it was just one of those things where I just really built up the habit. So I would do that a couple times a week. I did spin a ton with my mom and I got really, really into fitness. Like I was really passionate about it, loved it, the whole shebang. And when, you know, high school, sorry, when college came around, Instagram came out and I really wanted to share my passion for fitness on social media. I was terrified about what my peers would think. I was in a sorority. I was super people pleaser back then. Like I did not want anyone to not like me. I didn't want anyone to make fun of me. And although they did anyway, when I posted on my personal Instagram, I was like, okay, I'll just make this other thing, make it private, which is, it was private the first like two months that it was in existence. Really? (laughs) Yeah. I was terrified. I just didn't want people to make fun of me and they did anyway. So I was like, (laughs) I'm going to own it. It's fine. Let's make it unprivate private and I ended up just finding a little community on Instagram with people who were doing bikini competitions that's what I did I did one of them summer of 2014 it was like the funnest thing ever most fun funnest whatever who's gonna correct my grammar over here (laughs) someone's gonna do it and I don't know I just kind of fell in love with actually committing to something seeing my body change Mm -hmm. and then you know, seeing it actually work. Like when you are disciplined in something and then you see the payoff, it's amazing. Regardless of if it's business or your body or anything that you do, it's really hard for a lot of people to commit to something for that long and that hard. And I saw the results that I wanted. So I continued to share, you know, my progress on social media. It was literally just me sharing. It wasn't getting on to start a business or start fitness coaching. I didn't know about that. I was 21, 2021. Um, I was in nursing school, so I graduated with my nursing degree, and I had every intention on doing that. So I never really had too. Ma- I didn't have too many influences of like 
entrepreneurship and doing your own thing. My mom was a guidance counselor slash teacher. My dad's a lawyer. They both did network marketing like Mm -hmm. on the Mm -hmm. side, but it wasn't really anything that was a full-time career. So it was very like traditionalist path. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people in New England are just traditionalist path. It's not really a whole lot of eclectic, vibrant entrepreneurs like Los Angeles. (laughs) Um, There's probably some, but hidden in pockets, but I didn't know that. And not even YouTube. Like, people didn't watch YouTube that I knew of anyway. We weren't, like, talking about our favorite YouTubers in Rhode Island. We were just watching videos for, you know, nursing and trying to figure out pathophysiology. (laughs) So I didn't know about entrepreneurship, Instagram, YouTube land. I knew nothing about it. And I just, again, got on because I wanted to share. I wanted to share my story. I wanted to share what I was doing, my journey, and my progress. And it just kind of took off. Like, I think I was in the right place at the right time, number one. Mm-hmm. It was really trendy at the time to do bikini competitions. They were, like, on this big, massive come-up at the time. And I don't know, I was sharing everything. So by the time I graduated college in summer of 2015, I had, like, 25000 or so, and I got, like, a little affiliate deal, and it was awesome, and I was super excited about it, but still had every intention on just being a nurse. Yep. So I graduated. In the middle of a prep, I started my YouTube channel. And that, you know, was just me wanting to share how to do things. I was like, okay, people keep asking me about carb cycling. I should do a video on it. Mm-hmm. Someone else is doing a video. So maybe I, sh- I could do this too. Like I may just start. I don't like myself on camera. I don't like my voice. I don't like all these things. It wasn't perfect. It wasn't pretty. I got like a cheapo camera, but I just started doing it. But there was like, it's funny because there was no, I wasn't comparing myself to everybody else because mm-hmm. there weren't a whole lot of people that I even knew were in existence. And then I realized that there's this whole land of like YouTubers and I was like, oh. yeah no clue no clue that that existed moving forward I you know was competing I started my channel I had a couple fitness clients I was making enough money to pay my bills in LA as a 21 year old who just graduated college and I was like okay I'm not even like in my nursing career yet but the state of California took me four months to get my papers to say okay you can finally take your exam Amanda Mm -hmm. so graduated in May Got here, you know, late May and June came around, July came around, everything's flourishing in my like social media fitness life. August came around, twiddling my thumbs, I'm like, okay, I should study now, like my prep's over, like, mm, get back to like studying. I was a good student. I graduated magna cum laude with like a 3.6 or something like that. So yeah. like, I got all A's and B's. So I'm not a bad test taker or anything. Like I mastered test taking. Um, September comes around, it's like September 15th or so, and then I kind of just thought they forgot. I was like, nothing's going to come, like, I'm not going to take this test. And then it came around finally, and they were like, okay, you can take it now. Mm. You're in such a different place, mental space. Mental space was just like way over here. So I was, again, taking a couple practice questions a day, maybe. Yeah. And that's one of those tests you have to literally know everything you've ever learned in the last four years. And like, it's not one of those careers where you kind of know things and then you learn on the go like yes you learn on the go but whether or not you know it in your core is going to determine if someone's life is safe or not so I crammed I thought I was going to do really well I went in I thought I did decent but I failed miserably so by the time (laughs) October came around where I finally got finally got my results back I was like what do I do do I keep going with this weird thing that no one knows about, no one understands? I don't even understand. I don't have any mentors, you know, or people teaching me specific things on like how to go about yeah. doing it. There was no online courses that I was like, oh, I can just buy this online course and mm-hmm. then I'll, I'll understand. There was just me and then my passion and my intuitive gut telling me this is your path. Yeah. And I knew it regardless of what, if I knew what the path was going to be or what it looked like or how to do anything. I was like, the only thing really holding me back is time. Mm -hmm. And again, I was, I probably made, I made 50 grand or so my first year out of college and it was only half the year. And I was like, mom, I made, you know, enough money to pay my bills out here in LA all alone doing this thing. Like if I keep doing it, I'll be fine. Like she's like, was she really nervous? Yeah. She was, she was like, you should finish what you started. Like just take the test again, just in case like you have a backup. And I was like, I can't like it's my body is telling me like just you cannot open this thing to take this new test so I decided not to and that was when I I ran things up a little bit I did the bodybuilding.com spokesmodel search I got signed to bodybuilding.com that was awesome I had a a supplement sponsor was making a good bit of commission I had fitness coaching my social media sorry my YouTube channel went from 6,000 to 100,000 in six months I did another prep series five, six videos a week. I was crushing it with affiliate stuff, crushing it with fitness coaching. Everything was going really well. I tripled my income the next year. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, this is 
this is a thing here. Like, yep. I am doing the thing. Again, there was still a lot that I didn't know and I had to learn. Yep. And this year, I met Lewis Howes. I joined his mastermind. And I didn't know anything about masterminds. Online business and, like, email lists and podcasting and funnels and all this fun stuff was, like, completely foreign to me. So when I met him and I met everybody else in the group, I was like, whoa. And it was almost like there's this little land of younger, like, early 20s people in my community mm-hmm. on fitness YouTube that know clothing lines and they know ebooks and digital products and like fitness coaching that's like 200 bucks a month and that's like the thing and it's like you don't know what you don't know yeah. so when I realized that I'm stepping out of this little land over here going to this bigger pool of older people yeah. who have been doing it for a couple of years and I was just so curious I was like okay can someone teach me this can someone teach me this like and then I dove in And I created a bigger online course. I created a mentorship program to teach other people how to grow their social media. Ton of imposter syndrome happening there. I was like, who am I, this 23, 24-year-old girl teaching other people how to do this? But I was realizing a lot of people in that group, and now I realize, like, there's a separation. Like, some people are very entrepreneurial and business-minded where they know how to grow businesses. And then there's people like me who just know how to connect. Yeah. Know how to share, know how to connect, know how to get someone to trust you and like you and feel like I've always been that person that's a, a best friend that people can meet literally immediately and then tell their whole life story to. Mm, yep. And I think that's what propelled me to success initially by accident almost because that's just yep. my vibe and energy. And then when I started learning all the tactical things, shit just, just kind of expanded. Yeah. You know, I love that you said that you were doing it just straight off your passion for such a long time because Danny and I, we talk about this all the time. I think there's two ways that you can do it. You can be like, okay, I'm just going to go where I'm excited. I'm going to go where the passion is. I'm going to just follow this through. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to choose action. Hmm. Right. And then there's people that a lot of people that we know that come to us and they're like, can you help me? And they want everything to be super formulaic. They want it to be super like if I just, and they're scared to mess up and they don't a lot of times take action because they feel like they're going to do the wrong thing. Right. So how did you, in those moments where you're like, I don't really know, there's no template I'm following. There's no blueprint. How do I just actually in the moment, take that action or do that thing or publish that video or like have there been moments when you've been really scared yeah definitely um I think the scariest thing was just not passing that exam and I was like it was the first time I really realized like I have to make a decision and if I make Mm -hmm. this other decision I have to figure it out all by myself yeah and I think the thing that got me through was um and I teach people to not do this now (laughs) and the thing that got me through was validation from others on my social media yeah makes total sense just at least like even if you hear one person message you and say, what you're doing is amazing, it's changing my life, like those words very specifically will mm-hmm. allow you to say, I can keep doing this, it's okay, and it's validating mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. So even if you have one person say that to you, like I had, you know, 40, 50,000 at that time that I was like, I am validated here. Like I am, there's something here. Like I don't know what it is, but it's, it's something. And that grounded me a little bit at least. But even if you have one person say that to you and you don't have 40, 50,000 on Instagram or Facebook or whatever, that means that you're on the right track. Like you're doing something, right? You're impacting somebody. And once you realize impact can be monetized and you can create a business out of that and a ton of fulfillment in your own mission and your purpose, it's, you know, it's kind of something you should listen to, I think. Yes. Well, I love when you were talking about going into this and coming to LA, my first thought was, what were your parents thinking after mm. going to college? And was there a lot of pressure for you? I mean, obviously you said your mom wanted you to retake the test. How did you finally get to the place? Because you said you're a people pleaser to the place mm. where you were able to just tell your parents or how did you have that conversation of like, mom, dad, I know this is where I was going to go, but I'm actually choosing to shut that door. Yeah. Good question. So my mom is someone who's, um, she was a single mother for a while. They got, my parents got divorced when I was like 10 and she is super independent and I learned a ton of independence from her. So I think when I was excited about that, she like saw this spark in me. And although she's very much so like safe and her, her dad owns his own business to me when I was looking at it. I didn't really see it as like an entrepreneurial venture because he's been he's owned the business for like 40 years or something. So I didn't really understand that. But she's seen him do that and then she's helped him grow that. And she, you know, she was his bookkeeper for a while and she did network marketing stuff. And it's almost like 
she didn't get the opportunity to have that for herself. Mm-hmm. And she she was the first person in her family to go to college on, on her own. So she didn't get to travel in her 20s too, too much. Like she did a little bit. And then she had my sister and I when she was 32. She got married when she was like 27. So she didn't really have that opportunity. Mm-hmm. So as much as she wanted safety for me, she saw my like passion, excitement, and she saw how I was following suit for her like independence factor. Mm-hmm. And she she was very supportive of me moving, although she didn't want me to, obviously. But it's funny now, she's my bookkeeper and we talk yeah. more than if you know we weren't working together. So we've actually been able to connect a ton more and she just comes out here a couple times a year. I go back there a couple times a year and it's actually worked out for the better. So I love that. Yeah, I think it is always hard to have those conversations with either someone close to you because, like, those are the, the opinions we care about the most, right? You're going to mm-hmm. do it regardless, but it's hard to be like, you know what, whether I would really love your support in this. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to shift gears because I know what you do now is you teach a lot of up-and-coming fitness mm-hmm. professionals how to do what you're doing. And so just what are people doing? I want to start with what are people doing wrong? Like what are people doing wrong? Okay. They just get started. Most of our audience, maybe we have probably about 50, 50 fitness professionals. And then the other 50 is just, you know, maybe someone's not in the fitness industry. They're getting started. They get on social media and they just have their friends and family. It's everyone they are friends with. is just people they know, no strangers. Mm-hmm. And they're like, okay, I have this passion. I have this credential. I want to make a bigger impact. Maybe they're in their thirties or forties, a second career for them. Mm-hmm. How do they get started? What mistakes should they avoid? I think there's a couple. I think there's two different paths people take from what I've seen. The first path is that they just share and they do free content. They do free value. And then they don't talk about their passion at all. They don't sell themselves. They don't make a promotion. They don't say, hey, I'm offering this thing because they're scared. And they're terrified of what people are going to think about them. They're terrified of rejection. They're terrified of failing. So they're just like, I'm going to a bunch of content I also have this thing don't hate me (laughs) and then they like hide in your little shell and I mean I get that like I I think a lot of people do that because they're fear they're fearful of someone looking at them saying who are you to do this they're fearful of even having that imposter syndrome and then the first time someone says like oh why are you you know why are you doing this thing like someone else should be doing that not you that's it confirms maybe the insecurity that they are. It confirms felt. the insecurity. That's yep. totally true. Yep. So I think that's one thing for people to avoid and just understand everybody gets started somewhere. We all, every single person that I've talked to that's successful has felt some sort of imposter syndrome in the past. Who am I to do this? I'm just getting started. Who am I to teach people something? Mm-hmm. If you can teach someone who's a couple steps behind you something that will help them catch up. Yep. then you're you're good. Like you, you can, can help qualify. somebody. Yes. Yeah, you're qualified. You can help somebody. You know, obviously you want to check a couple boxes like, okay, make sure that you're being safe. Make sure that you are doing your research. Make sure that you're working towards growth and enhancing your knowledge. Like that's fine, but doesn't that shouldn't hinder you from getting started. Yep. And then it also shouldn't hinder you from sharing your passion and your excitement about what you do. Yep. And I think it's a disservice to people if you know that you can serve someone and help them. Like there's a person who is in their kitchen right now like struggling to pick out the correct foods to put in their fridge or at the grocery store and they're like oh this low fat thing is healthy you can help that person and if you're not talking about your passion and they never see you or hear from you you're doing them a disservice so I always kind of think about that as go back to the person in service and then on the other hand I think a lot of people just get right into it and they're like great going to start a business. Here's my thing. All you talk about is your coaching or your offers, or there's constantly something there. And if you're on Instagram or Facebook, those are places for, for connection. And yes, of course you want, you, you can sell on there too. And obviously, but I think a lot of people just only focus on that and they mm-hmm. think about numbers rather than humans. Yep. And then that, you know, number one, it can kind of start discrediting you a little bit. And I think the priority people should be having is trust building. Mm-hmm. And that looks like, you know, making sure people know that you're not just there to take their money and to promote to them and to sell them. You want to make them feel and not in like a tactical way. Like you don't want to use your authenticity, honesty, transparency as a tactic. You just want to use that as this is, you know, what's going to keep me in good standing with my people, allow me to make these connections. And then they're going to be jumping at my offer once I actually have one. And once I actually start talking about it. So building trust should be a priority for you. And that's going to come from actually talking about your passion and then not talking about your offers too much where it's going to allow people to feel terrified and fearful of whether or not you're going to take their money. So you 
or kind of, I, I think that. you and I and Jill have the, the trust factor. Like we're good at connecting. I think one mm-hmm. of my best skills is connecting with people. And Jill and I talk about this all the time. We'll meet someone and they just tell us their entire life story or they'll say, you guys were nodding when I said that. I was yeah. like, you get it. Yeah. Like, they take us into a corner. Yeah. And I think that's why the best like at a party or a bar. Yeah. Yeah. I just feel like drawn to you. They're like, we've never told anyone in our Seriously, whole life. I heard this. that. that I like life, these stories. That line so many times. Yes. So we have that connection. Some people don't. So there's, mm. there's those people who connect and there's people with systems. So, so I have this question for you of mm. when you have that, that trust and everything built up, but now you have a business and you have to create systems and ways to be able to be more organized. Mm-hmm. What are your best organization tips? Like, do you do batch videos? Are you like, how are your systems working when you have like, that's your main skill set, and the yeah. other side, maybe not as much. Yeah. This is a good question. I love it. Cause this is something I went through really recently. And this is a conversation about outsourcing, I think, because mm-hmm. for me, when I first got started, I didn't outsource anything. I didn't have a team. I didn't know about teams. I didn't know that I was like in this position to hire people. I was like, what? So I, I was almost organized. Like I was always very organized in college where I would at least write out like my daily task in like a time format where 6.30 to 7.30 would be morning routine and then 7.30 to 8 would be driving and like keeping <laughs> yep. your day organized like that. And then when I, you know, got started working on my own, I was like, okay, I have all these things to do and no one's giving me deadlines. Like, Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need the accountability to finish the things. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people struggle with that. And I remember that feeling of not understanding that there's a, that you have to create your own deadlines yeah. and stick to them. So honestly, outsourcing is outsourcing will help you have someone that will give you deadlines yep. because if you have projects in play and then you say, okay, I want your help to help me create this project and to bring it to fruition. A lot of people I think who are connectors also maybe struggle with finishing things. Mm-hmm. I struggle with finishing things. I like to start a bunch of things. Yeah, we like to start because you get excited. Yeah, yeah. yeah the <laughs> excitement is the starting and the excitement and whatever. And then the tying the bow on it is less exciting because it's all this logistical technical stuff. Mm-hmm. So things that I do now... I do have someone that is a systems person. She's my online business manager. I love her. She's a unicorn. She is like, not only does she create systems for the business, but she creates systems for like my daily life. Mm -hmm. And I've now adopted those habits of things like just having a daily flow. So my, my daily flow, you know, it's kind of just a guideline that I created for myself. So the guideline is, okay, I have this time that I optimally like to be working. Mm -hmm. And then I have this other time that I optimally like to be training and then optimally like to be shutting off at night. Mm -hmm. And it's really kind of like a a nine to four like type of deal for Mm -hmm. me. And that's just where I feel like I work the best. Ideally, that would shrink. Like my ideal week would be five hours a day, four days a week. That'd Mm -hmm. be like super Mm -hmm. ideal. However, it's at least something to work towards. So if, if you can't fill that perfectly every single day. Don't stress. At least you have a guideline for yourself. And for a week, again, guideline it out, even though it's not going to be perfect every single week. Like obviously there's going to be some Saturdays where maybe you're doing an event instead of taking the day off, whatever. Or maybe you have to catch up on emails on a Sunday when you'd rather take the day off and that's what you schedule for yourself. It's fine. For me right now, I have like a really good weekly organizational flow where Mondays are mostly meetings and then strategy sessions, communicating with my team, checking on projects, checking on tasks, like catching up on stuff and making sure that things moving forward are all moving forward and being done. And then Tuesdays are video content days. So then I put makeup and normal clothes on. <laughs> and that's like the one thing that the one day that I know I got to do that. So I'm like, all right, shower, <laughs> clean myself, get on video. Amanda showers on Tuesdays. Okay. Amanda showers on Tuesdays. Well, anyway, it's, it's just one of those things where it was before very like yeah. clunky. So I would do one video, one podcast, then fuck, I have to go prepare for this like meeting and then shut in, do this. Mm-hmm. And then you have to switch hats and then you lose energy and it just gets really messy. So if you can like separate your shit out, that'd yeah. be ideal. Wednesdays are, you know, head down, writing, emails, communicating, coaching, things like that. Mm-hmm. Thursdays are podcast day. And then Fridays are, you know, meetings and just catch up stuff again. And ideally Saturday are off. But I did actually create a thing that's a free opt-in for my email list just Amazing. to be uh, transparent. But it's an entrepreneur's guide to a productive day, week, month, and year that I just came out with like a couple of days ago. And it's just amandabucci.com slash time management mini course. So if you're interested yes. in that, we'll make sure it goes it in the show notes. All sure. in depth. Yeah. I'll tell totally. people struggle people with are that. asking about that constantly. That's right? like the one thing people continue to ask. It's like, how do I manage my mm-hmm. time? Right. Because a lot of times people just don't know how to schedule. Or what we see is we see people who are starting an online business, but they don't 
audit their current schedule. So they're yeah. trying to add like 10, 20 hours a week oh, no. of new stuff on <laughs> yeah. top of an already packed schedule. Right. You know, so what would like, you, you say? You only have two hours at the end of the night on a Tuesday. Like you have to pick one or two main things to get your shit moving forward. Right. Mm-hmm. And even just super simple stuff. Like I always get off my soapbox about television and I know that's like, some people like it for unwinding and stuff like that, but like, that's probably the first thing to go really. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like you're super serious. So it is hard. I think what would you, what advice would you give someone who was just getting started and they're getting super frustrated because they do mm. not feel like things are moving forward? They're like, okay, I'm doing everything Amanda says, doing everything Jill and Danny say, yeah. and it's been three months and my Instagram is not growing and nothing is happening and no one cares. I'm putting this stuff up. Yeah. What do you tell them? I think that a lot of people focus on the wrong things at first. I'm not sure if you guys experience this, but people are like, oh, I need to get my logo, my website, <laughs> yeah, yeah. what are my colors, what's my mission statement, like, what are these, like, I need to grow my Instagram, I have to make content, and there's, there's like, literally 50, 60, maybe 70 different tasks that you could be doing that are just available to you, like, Facebook ads, just Facebook in general, Facebook groups, Instagram, Instagram ads, Instagram DM, Instagram captions, Instagram videos, and then there's over here like YouTube, and there's all these options, and then I think people try to do a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. I think they try to dip their toes into six or seven initially, like you just said, and I think the best possible thing for you to just stick to is one main thing, maybe two or three, depending on your schedule. In that mini course and email, I talk a little bit about if you're a full-time person, if you're a part-time, or if you're a super side hustler where you literally have a couple hours at the, at the end of the night. And it's funny because my boyfriend, Brian, used to, we can talk about relationships stuff oh. after because transition, but he, <laughs> he used to be an accountant and he started his YouTube channel where he would literally film his workout, do a talk after, edit the video, and then upload it the next day. And, like, he did that every wow. single day for a really long time. Yeah. And he, like, used his time at the end of the night. And you have to kind of determine where you're at and then say, this is grind time for me. If I really care, you got to grind a little bit. And, like, I'm so an advocate for, like, a four-hour work week and giving yourself space and play time and fun. However, there is probably a time in everyone's entrepreneurial journey where you got to grind a little bit and yeah. you got to say, like, suck it up. Like, if you're – not making progress on your side hustle, you're not doing it. You're not, it's not that you're not doing enough, but maybe you're not doing what's most efficient. So picking three, one to three things that are going to move your shit forward. Probably things. Let me see. I say sales and like generating some resources, right? Like at the very least, like get something in the bank for yourself. So you're not feeling like you're dying and you're not feeling like you're not, you know, generating anything for your time. I think mentally that shifts you a little bit. Yep. Obviously, you can you can reinvest that stuff back into your business if you need to. And then building trust and connecting with people. I would say those are the two main things. Like build the trust, make the sales, build the trust, make the sales, build the trust, make the sales. And then you can, you know, expand what you're doing and then enhance what you're doing based on those two things. But those are super foundational things. Love it. I love that. Well, we can, I, I think that's great. And we'll make sure that we put it in the show notes for people. Cause yeah. like, honestly, we're getting asked that constantly. I know, and that's super so useful. <laughs> it's so great because like, you totally yeah, get, get it too. Yeah. It's like law of trade-offs. And I love that you mentioned yeah. that at some point you do have to grind. Cause I think yeah. it takes like a while. I know both of us were doing the fitness hustle, like seven, eight, eight hours a week at yeah. the gym and then coming home and writing like emails and meal yeah. plans at like 1am. Like 7am so. to 11pm and then totally. go to sleep again. Luckily yeah. we were in our twenties and we were doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> and if you have passion, it'll drive you through too. And like passion passion can be overrated, but that's what drove me through. And I was like, this is fine. It doesn't feel like work. It's super fun. It's what I love doing right now. Well, I think it's kind of almost a calling, right? You said that at the beginning you you were like, my gut was just telling me to go this route. You were like, I had the nursing over here, but my gut. And it was just, I believe that really is almost, it's it's something in your inside you that's just making you go for it. You can't even put a uh, a name on that. You're just like, I'm, I have to be here. Yeah. It's like when you first start not do this journey and then you're seeing progress a little bit for the first time yeah. and you're like, if I keep going, it'll be better and better and better and better. Mm-hmm. So you have to kind of just feel that like, find those little bit of excitement. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Totally. It is hard. And I loved how you mentioned that you just loved it and you're like, this doesn't feel like work cause it's fun. What if it does feel like work to someone? Mm. What, how can they correct course? Yeah, I'd say that there's a couple different things. I think that maybe there's certain things that you're doing right now that don't feel like fun because maybe they're just not your zone of genius mm-hmm. and they're not where you thrive. And I think I, I totally believe in working off of your strengths. I think eventually you can go focus on your weaknesses, but I think working off of your strengths so it is a little bit fun. Yep. And then, I don't know, I think 
viewing other people and that's really motivating to me to see other people who are a couple of steps ahead of me and have some sort of shared experience where if it's if it's a podcast, if it's a YouTube video where I get to listen and hear like this is a shared experience that I'm going through, they have overcome it, yeah. I get it, I get that it's possible to get there and that little bit of motivation is what's always really helped me get through and then you know, doing your best to stay in your zone of genius and then if there's something in particular that you're really good at, maybe you're trying to create videos on YouTube when you're really, you fucking hate being on camera and you like <laughs> to write. Go write, go write emails, go write blogs, Go focus on SEO. Like maybe that's more fun for you to do sit down, head down thing. But the first person that you saw as an entrepreneur is a fucking YouTuber. And you're like, I should do that. Yeah, right. And you shouldn't because that's not you. If that's not you, then there's so many other things that you can do. Yeah, I love that. see that a lot too. Or I hear it a lot as well. If people going, well, good writer. should I write a blog? I feel like I need to be blogging and I hate like, it. Or like I feel writing? like I need to be doing YouTube, but I hate it. And they'll say that they need to be doing all these things. And mm. just to your point earlier, picking the one or two things and staying there instead of dipping in everything and especially dipping in the things that you hate because consistency, obviously part of your success is from consistency, right? right? So if you can't keep up with that thing because you hate it, it's not going to lend you to success. Mm -hmm. um, I have a question about your the first time you were really monetized. So I'm imagining yeah. you probably had people come to you for affiliate offers. Yeah. But when did you first decide I need to create my own thing and sell my own thing? And how did you decide to put a dollar amount on that? And mm -hmm. how did it make you feel going? Can I charge this? Like what was the thought, thought process of making your own thing deciding it's going to be you and you're going to sell it and and, yeah, putting a charge on it. Yeah, so I can I could talk about two stories. One of them was my first thing, and then one of them was my first big thing. Okay. So the first <laughs> thing was a small thing. Yeah. Um, I did have people coming to me for fitness coaching, and then I charged. I don't remember feeling that specific thing because they were like asking for it, and I don't think I charged that much. I was in you know I was in college and nursing school, so I was like, whatever helps. Like a couple hundred bucks, great. Yeah. And the first time I really created a digital product that I wanted to charge for, mm -hmm. I knew that I wanted to because I knew I was moving across the country. It was like very, like the very end of my college career. I was in the middle of a prep. I was like, I don't think I can take on a couple more clients in the middle of this prep and my move across the country. Like I just can't do it. So I created a $30 ebook. $30 isn't hard to price, I don't think, but I wrote like 53 pages of like how to track your macros, how to do everything. I look back on it and it's funny, someone like posted it on a hate account. They're like, I can't believe this is her ebook. I'm like, that was what I made five years ago. <laughs> <laughs> Chill. I totally like, like talk about hate. That's in like second. version one. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, it was. I was excited about it because I was like, hey, would anyone be interested in this? And it wasn't really a thing yet. Mm -hmm. And so many people were, and I made a couple thousand dollars, and I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. And as a college kid leaving college, and I would make, you know, one fifty to two fifty a night waitressing. Yeah, that was cool. <laughs> so it was less scary then. Yeah. And then the 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 big thing was my first big product that I had. It's a six thousand dollar product. Most people in my industry, before I announced that I was doing that, were charging 200 bucks a month mm -hmm. for fitness coaching, and people didn't know how to scale and grow and charge that much. And I think coming from like YouTuber land, mm -hmm. people aren't very used to getting free content and free things from you. Like if you're a YouTube watcher, like a hardcore, you're just so used to getting like low price things and things for free from people. Yeah. So you know, someone charging for their knowledge and their experience and then coaching at that level wasn't yeah. really, you know, in awareness of people's minds. It wasn't at the forefront of people's minds where it's like, oh, that makes sense. It was like, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> Who are you, bitch, to create this thing? <laughs> yeah. And I knew that it was worth it because I was like, well, it's, I mean, it's a business product, so if you can make that back immediately, it's yeah. worth it. Yeah. And I knew how easy it was. And I was like, if someone just like did this and this and this and this, and I knew it was going to work, and I hadn't gotten any clients yet, but I launched the program. Um, I didn't announce the price. I did calls on the phone with people, and I like took them through an experiential, you know, process of like understanding where they're at and seeing if they could, you know, potentially join. Mm -hmm. And I got 20 people in my first round, and everyone loved it. Wow! And it was amazing. It. And I was like, yes, this is great. And it's been a year now, and I've, we've had I don't know. I think we had like. 150 or 200 people in the program over the last like year mm -hmm. and it's been it's been one of those things where I didn't know initially what it was going to manifest into 
and what it was going to manifest into for other people because I had only done it for myself at that point. But it's given people massive transformations. It's allowed people to go from work, getting $30,000 a year at a desk job to doing 100% their own thing. They have 20,000 Instagram followers. Companies are reaching out to them for affiliate stuff. Yeah. And they're also making six figures just working from home, doing their own thing. And they're continuing to grow and evolve. And they're so happy. And their husbands are happy seeing them happy. And they've been able to like have all these opportunities just from changing their life in like the small way initially and then it's you know come back to them tenfold so realizing I think I think having one person go through your thing and then having it come to fruition for them and they'd say oh my god thank you yeah you're like all right this is this is someone someone thanked me for for creating yeah rather than someone saying you just took my money I don't Mm -hmm. think creating a product or creating a service or anything like that has to feel yucky Mm -hmm. because it has to be a win-win-win the yep. person has to feel happy yep. and they have to feel excited to do it. Yep. And then you have to be excited about it too. Yeah. So if you're not excited about it because you're not charging enough, it's not a win-win-win. It's Maybe it's a win for them because they're like, oh, it's cheap and maybe I'll get a transformation. But, you know, you're not excited either. So it has to feel really good on both ends, I think. Yep. And I knew that there was a couple people that were like, I feel really good about this. I'm so happy you made it. And I was like, all right, I get it. Like mm. Again, that like small little yeah. validation. Although in your head, you know... It's almost like you have to prove yourself a little bit when you make something for the first time. Sure. Yeah. I, I think so too. And it's also one of those things where you don't need as many people if it's $6,000 yeah. and you're making that much more money versus trying to sell like $30 million, $30. Yeah. <laughs> I, I literally made a rant about that on my story today before I got into your house. I was like, I saw two people launch their ebooks and I was like, there's so many other options. Yeah. Like the other thing that I get it because it's easy mm-hmm. and it's like, why not? And it's, it's easy. If you have a big following, you can probably sell a decent bit of volume with it, but then, you know, what's next, you know? Mm-hmm. I think it's easy. I think also a lot of fitness professionals, at least this is what I felt at the beginning, was you get all these DMs. People are like, help me. Help yeah. me, Tony Robbins. Turn <laughs> <laughs> this shit around. Have you seen Nelly Wong? No. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. Oh my gosh. All y'all, if you don't understand, Ali Wong on Netflix, she's a comedian and we watch it a million times. Oh, um, does she make fun of Tony Robbins? No, she's she just makes like, fun help of, like, me Tony Robbins. Oh, like, you need to turn your life around. <laughs> but people are messaging you and they're like, I just tell me what to eat, tell me what to do. So I remember I thought, man, I was getting so many DMs. If I could just, and I would tell them what my price was to work with me, and they're like, oh, I just can't afford you. So I thought, yeah, if totally. I make this low price product, then everybody will buy it. Yes. Except, they did it. Yeah. And, <laughs> and like, why not? Yes, for you. Right. You asked for it. Yeah, so I think a lot of times people think, well, if I make it cheap enough, then everyone will buy the thing. Mm. But it's kind of interesting to see that a lot of people won't buy the cheaper product and they will spend mm-hmm. the $6,000 or they'll buy the $2,000 product or the $200 product. The ones who say they can't afford the 200 still aren't going to buy the $10, which is really yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So you've mentioned a couple times about, like, in this conversation about someone, like, a hater or someone calling you out. Okay, so I need to talk to you about this because <laughs> I think this is right. – obviously, you have a lot of experience with this. You're amazing, but people want to hate on someone who's doing really well. and Or they just have something to say, or it hits their insecurity button. And um, we have much smaller platforms, but we get a good amount of that. And I think that can be a huge barrier to someone getting started. They're like, but yeah. then – so, okay, first time you got a hater – how did you, what happened? Was it catastrophic? How did you move forward? And then potentially like, what does it look like now versus yeah. maybe five years ago? Yeah, I get that. And I remember I, I was watching someone on YouTube today and I was just like, I can't believe I used to care so much, but I get it because it hit my insecurity button. So I think that the positive of having that happen to you, I'm finally at a place and it still hits me sometimes. Like it's still saying every once in a while I'm human. Like we stop in the face of criticism and we're like, am I really like that? <laughs> and yep. yeah. And like, I get that. And I've been there and it's been really devastating before. Um, but I was watching someone and they were like really upset about someone saying that they're a bad role model for what they are doing. And when you're putting your life out there, anybody can view like have their own perspective on what you're doing Mm -hmm. and they take your perspective their perspective on what you're doing and they relate it to their life and their experiences and it could look different for anybody Mm -hmm. like the internet is a very large place there's lots of different experiences and different kinds of people and I think words body language tone of voice they hit different people in different ways 
that's the whole saying, like, you could be the juiciest peach in the patch and someone doesn't <laughs> like peaches. Like, yeah. it's just, there's different niches for a reason. Like, humans are all very different. Yeah. So the first time that happened to me, yeah, it was definitely like, holy crap, like, is this really, you know, right, texted like, my friend, screenshot it. I was like, is this, <laughs> like, I'm so upset. Like, this is devastating. And I'm making fun of it now because... But what would make me upset in the beginning is just like chump change now. I'm like, okay, someone call me fat. Great. <laughs> I was going to ask you what has been like the most, because we, we each have like our different ones too, but what's the biggest trigger? <laughs> yeah. Like what has been the biggest trigger? Someone's like, you don't deserve yeah. to be, to have that following. You don't deserve to be a fitness. Like what is it? That used you're to be You're not shredded. You're not. Yeah, that used to be it because I was super shredded for a couple years doing bikini competitions. I gained a bunch of weight. And all of a sudden, I wasn't fit to be a fitness influencer anymore. And I'm like, you're just dumb. You don't understand. <laughs> you, know, it's just like you don't yeah. understand knowledge, and it's not about how you look. Right, so it's right, almost right. like you have to start talking about that and explaining it to people. Yeah, did you try and defend yourself? Oh, or how totally. Yeah. A ton, especially mm -hmm. on YouTube. YouTube is like, you are an anonymous person. You don't have a – it's not like Facebook where you it connects to your real account. Yeah. It connects to nothing. So you can say whatever you want, and then you're essentially commenting on someone's reality show of themselves if they're a vlogger. So it doesn't matter. It's like – it's, there's so much opinion that's throwing around everywhere. So that used to be my thing. The thing that hit me really hard this year was that I am ingenuine in my intention of taking people's money for my products. Mm -hmm. That was fucking devastating because mm -hmm. I spent so much time building trust, like mm -hmm. I talked about in the beginning, right? Yeah. Like building trust. And it wasn't like I'm tactically trying to build your trust. Like I'm just being myself and I have built your trust. Mm -hmm. So when I came out with something that seemed like icky, scammy, Maybe it was salesy. Maybe it was a little more marketing than they're used to because I'm learning about marketing. And there's like such a fine line of like how that looks to the outside world. And then yeah. here I am as someone who's honest and transparent. And then when you're using marketing to grow your business, yeah. it's not like, hey, I'm using this marketing strategy now. Like, I hope you understand that I'm using this Facebook ad so I can sell something to you. <laughs> right. You don't have that conversation. You don't, like, have that conversation with people. So as someone yeah. who was having all the conversations with, with everybody, it was like, do, do I or do I just start being this, like, other person that's like a marketing and then yeah. there was like a line between like how do I be like who who am I being and who am I talking to yeah. it was confusing and then yeah there was a lot of people like I'm Scamanda Bucci to a lot of people like Scam Amanda mm -hmm. it was just a there's yeah we call it very that. creative we call you that behind your back uh -huh. yeah yeah super creative <laughs> I used it as a headline for good. one of my emails once and I was like I'm going to use this against everybody but um <laughs> we have no, a new nickname this. for Jill though now it's the Jillionaire. I love that. But that's it's actually a good power, right? <laughs> it's a good one. Scamanda Bush is not as empowering. No, it's creative, though. I yeah, still need one. Sure. I don't know about my name yet, but I'll find something, either bad mm. or good. We'll it's Scamanda. It <laughs> so, yeah, it was one of those things where I felt really devastated that people thought that about me. And if you don't address it, it's something that major to your reputation. Mm -hmm. If you don't address it, it looks like you're hiding. Yeah. And if you do address it, it looks like you're defending yourself. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like, what would a PR person do, do for a celebrity? <laughs> like, not that I'm yeah. a celebrity, but like, you have to think that way. Like, you have to almost just be transparent and say, I understand that there's different perspectives on how people do things. I understand that someone who has money blocks, and you can't say this, these things to people, someone who has money insecurities, blocks surrounding money, blocks surrounding success, they don't understand the world, they don't they don't get it, maybe yep. they're at their desk, and all of they all they've known their whole entire life is their parents hustling to give them some sort of, you know, at least food, and maybe they were like in a bad place, and then there's someone over here who's like this decent looking chick on Instagram who's like, I have this $6,000 product, be like me. And they're pissed. Yep. And I get it. And it's to me, I have to like, I have to go deeper into like, who are these people? And I have to understand where they're coming from. And I have, and it's taken me a while because there's a couple people that I was like, okay, let me message this person and then try to figure out where they're at. And if I could at the very least figure out why they're coming from where they are, I mm -hmm. could empathize with them understand where that thought's coming from and then do better in my messaging next time mm -hmm. and 
and that's been my approach as of late, just really trying to understand the person. Maybe I'm not communicating with them, but in my own mind, I have to work through it somehow. You can't just let it sit there because I've done all the things. I let it sit there on my social pages and I'm like, I'm just going to pretend I didn't see it. <laughs> I see it all, okay? I'm just going to pretend. And then that doesn't work, obviously. It's just like letting a, a conversation you have to have with yourself not happen. You're like cycling that, right? Yep. The other you know, option is to block and delete them which I think is a good situation if the person's just incredibly rude and you don't have any intention of having a conversation with them or it's not constructive or it's just like gross and whatever. Block and delete them and just like keep the energy out of your life, really. And then, I know, communicate with them. Maybe they seem slightly reasonable and they're just misunderstanding you. Mm -hmm. Maybe communicate with them and say, hey, I get, I get why you thought that. But this is this was really my intention, mm-hmm. and sometimes that works out. Sometimes it doesn't, and then you can just be like, "We agree to disagree." I'm sorry you don't like me, whatever. Mm-hmm. And the other option that I'm kind of doing now is just really owning my shit. And I know that I have good intentions. I know that I'm a good person. I had to question myself a lot. Like, I am I a good person? Am I skin? Am I really? You know, <laughs> my you, go, you go <laughs> through these like questions of like, is that really true? Sure. Yeah. And you have to really come to terms with knowing that it's not true. And you know your intention and, you know, you know you're being ethical and you're doing things like in, a, in an ethical way, really. Yep. Um, and I think when you start stepping into that confidence, it comes less. And I've noticed that because when I was vulnerable, when I was letting it get to me, it came more. Yep. And it just kept coming in. And I was like, why? This sucks. <laughs> and then all of a sudden I made the switch and it hasn't come that much up like I, I launched a new thing and then something happened recently where people were talking about it because I launched a $50 a month membership thing and mm-hmm. um you know something that's new and money focused and they're like Amanda wants more money again haha mm-hmm. but I've actually finally come to terms with like what I'm doing is actually helping people yeah. it's ethical I feel confident about it and at the end of the day if I'm confident about it and other people are doing well that's it you should like do a parody it. video on YouTube and call I it should. Scamanda and like just make it really funny and just be like, like super you're salesy yeah. and like skin like taking people's what money out of their bags. <laughs> we'll be extra. It'll be like the behind the scenes um, video and you're it's gonna become just a super. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh my god, this person's gonna How pay Scamanda, me. This is gonna be my conversion rate. How oh my god. Scamanda Bucci became a jillionaire, yeah. and this will be a great YouTube video. It might go viral. We can do it. We can put it on Facebook. Oh my god, we should definitely do it. Um, we are getting down to the end, but I have a couple more questions because this is a question that comes up a lot. Yeah, and I want to get your take. Short. No, we love your answers. Okay. Keep doing what you're doing. Um, <laughs> people ask us all the time. They always want resources, mentors. Like, mm. who were the, some of the most important mentors to you? Maybe in different parts of your journey, and then you know, where can people find like resources on what you're talking about? Yeah. So I think in terms of social media resources, it was really, I don't like to say that self-made, but I just did a lot of things right on accident. And now I'm finding a couple of different people that are like, okay, this person has good information. This person's doing it well. Sunny Leonarduzzi has a really good YouTube course and she has, you know, a ton of free content on how to grow her YouTube channel. And I think that when I watch her videos, I'm like, that makes sense. I get it. Mm-hmm. So I don't do a whole lot of teaching on YouTube specifically because I grew on accident on there. I was doing something trendy. You know, I made a couple of videos that had some good search engine optimization on YouTube and a couple of them went viral and it was almost an accident. So I'm over here like, I, I can't teach that, but she's awesome. I love her so much. I do have, you know, I have a business channel on YouTube now. I made a little separate one because I'm like, this feels nice and safe to me. So I do post on there. I love, I love podcasts. I love, obviously, Gary Vee is like a really good resource for anything entrepreneurial, but he had talks about a ton of different things. So I would definitely say go find podcasts and go find people that are talking about it and just listen to the conversations of successful people reading, you know, autobiographies and people, you know, people who are really successful that you would want like to be like, it's really motivating to hear like, okay, they started where I am. So this is what the next step that they took is. And this is how they did it. And that's kind of how I've done everything is just look in retrospect of other people's lives and say, if they did this, these are the kind of things that they've done. Let me try this one thing and then just execute on it and go for it and let it happen and take the action. So, so what are successful people doing? A couple of quick things. Like you're looking at, you're reading autobiographies, mm-hmm. you're listening to podcasts. What are like some daily, I don't know, maybe it doesn't have to be daily rituals, but like mindsets, like what was, what's your mindset? What is like a success mindset look like to you? I think a success mindset for me is just 
it's a lot of just action taking. I think mm -hmm. I love your Action Academy, by the way. It's Thank literally you. the best. I opted into it the first time I found you, and I was like, oh, I love her. <laughs> I was like, this is amazing. Why is this free? Um, but it's it's one of those things where I hear from everybody, and I'm sure you have too. It's just I can't take action, and I've always taken messy action all the time. Like I have grammatical errors. People get mad because I have grammatical errors. I made this like really inspiring tweet the other day and someone was like, I don't even understand what you said. I can't believe you tweeted this. So I was like, I'm just fucking <laughs> Just listen to the message. No, but I always just take the action and then execute on the things that I know are going to be something that's going to propel me forward. And it's, it's a lot of like action and confidence. So people don't take action because they're not confident. They don't take action because they're fear fearful of failure. And I've always been fearful, but I've done it anyway. And I've always not been perfect, but I've done it anyway. Yep. And you have to, it's almost like if you're reading a book about squats and how to do them and you read all the things and, you know, you talk to all the experts and you listen to all their podcasts and you, you know, read every single book and watch every YouTube video on how to do a squat, but you don't actually go to the gym. You don't right. really know how to do it and nothing's actually happening yep. for you. Yep. So you have to go try it and then maybe, you know, you watch one video, you do it kind of right. It feels a little bit off. And then, you know, you're, okay, that felt a little funny, but I at least tried it. So let me go do it again and let me just change my hand positioning tomorrow or something yeah. like that. And then you just keep doing it and then obviously you get better. So people that are competing in powerlifting and they're doing, you know, really heavy squats, they've obviously done a lot of reps and they've done a lot of work and you have to put in the reps. Putting in the reps. So good. Mm -hmm. So last question, you know what it is. Yeah. Last oh. question. So this podcast is the best life podcast and mm -hmm. we just really believe that no matter where you are in life that you can choose what the best life is. So in your opinion, what does the best life look like to you or what is your best life? Oh, such a good question. I think my best life is one where I am thriving in what I'm really good at. Mm -hmm. So using all of my gifts to my best ability and my gifts to me are connecting with people. They are, you know, creating content in the way that's connecting to people and helping, inspiring, and changing someone's life. Like, I think I was called to do that. I'm constantly called to do that. So I have to be using those gifts on a weekly or daily basis. And I can't, I can't be that person that's, like, retreating and hiding because I'm making all this money and whatever. Like, if I become really successful and then I'm not connecting to people, it's not a best life for yeah. me. And then the other side of the coin is having enough free time to feel like I'm fulfilled in other ways. Like I don't want my best life and my best life isn't just my work. It's not just teaching people how to grow businesses or yeah. social media or whatever. Like that's what I do, but it's just a project. It's a business. It's not me. So being me fully means being outside, living in like a nice place in California. It also, it's not just like the place itself, but it's just the lifestyle that I want to live. It has a lot of free time. It has a lot of play, adventure, you know, friendship, spirituality, all these other slices of the pie of life, and they're all being fulfilled in some sort of way. So like a 15 hour work week looks great to me. And I'm not like one of those people that wants to work every single hour until I die. That's not what my best life looks like. It's a lot of time freedom, spatial freedom, work freedom, and then fulfillment in what I'm doing for my work. Love it. I got chills. I love that. <laughs> I know. Like, me too. It's uh, like, I'm like, is that my best too. life? <laughs> I know. Is, is that your best life? I thought a lot about this. <laughs> well, I think we probably need to do a question. part two because there were so many things that we did. I agree. Too. I yeah. we could talk forever. I know. I know. <laughs> we wow. could ask about dogs, boyfriends. We will we'll make sure that you, uh, you mentioned a bunch of resources. We will make sure we have those yes. in the show notes. And make sure you guys are following Amanda on Instagram. Subscribe to her on YouTube. Subscribe to Bushy Radio, which is her podcast. And just read her amazing captions and Instagram too. She's just yes. so real. Yeah, and you. You, you will definitely learn a lot. So Amanda, we love you. Thank, Thank you for being you. here. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Can't wait for the next one. <laughs> Me too.